Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's the B-Ball Breakdown with Coach Nick on SB Nation Radio. And online at SBNationLive.com. Coming to you live from the O'Reilly Auto Parts studios, here's Coach Nick. Hey, sports fans. It's Coach Nick here, and welcome to the B-Ball Breakdown. I am really excited to be here on this Tuesday night, as I'm always here every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, to let you go through a journey of basketball analysis. And what I do is I take the video and I mix it up with some voiceover and I explain what's going on from a coach's perspective. So welcome to the show. It's a great show tonight. I'm going to bring on friend of the breakdown, Jeff Diepenbrock, who is a video coordinator for the Georgia State men's team. And he's going to describe to us what it's like to prepare for the NCAA tournament. They made it this year and they had a tough first round uh, pick to go up against, but they certainly had some really interesting um, insights into what goes on and how you prepare for a team and whether or not you can actually get their team to, to actually do what you want them to do based on that video analysis. We also have Dave Dufour coming up, friend of the breakdown and also my partner partner in crime over my podcast and we're going to talk about end of the season awards and also I think I want to get into a little bit deeper dive on which coaches are really on the hot seat and why because certainly with a lot of upheaval potentially coming up we have a lot of interesting openings or potential openings that will shake up across the entire country both college and the NBA because guys jump around at times and when you see that happen. So we're going to see if the NBA is going to recycle some more of these older coaches that have had some experience or, you know, rely on some new guys or some sort of mixture of both. But I have to imagine that we're going to see more turnover in this offseason than we have in a while. And we'll have to find out how that will play out and how that affects the play of the game. Obviously, we're in a bit of a battle for the the soul of basketball when you look at how the Rockets play and how the Warriors play. Uh, of course, the Warriors do a lot of passing, a lot of movement, a lot of player movement, is ball movement as well, whereas the Rockets get a little bit of that movement. But then by the end of that possession, they're going to go ISO with either Chris Paul or James Harden, the MVP. And uh, they're the best at it of all time. And their offense is the best of all time. But the Warriors are right behind them. So it is interesting to see how that's going to play out and how the new coaches coming up will continue to either embrace or not embrace that style. So don't go anywhere. We have a couple messages to get to first. But when you come back, we will have Jeff Diepenbrock. So don't forget, I'm Coach Nick, and this is the B-Ball Breakdown. It's the B-Ball Breakdown with Coach Nick on SB Nation Radio. Coming to you live from the O'Reilly Auto Parts studios, here's Coach Nick. Welcome back, sports fans. As always, I am Coach Nick. This is the B-Ball Breakdown, as you heard from the very professional voice introducing me. Glad to be here on this Tuesday evening on SB Nation Radio across the dial and streaming and everywhere else you want to listen to this show. 
Uh, I'm really glad to be here. As you may or may not know, I am Coach Nick, and I do uh, videos. I break down the NBA with voiceovers and freeze frames and arrows. And I also do a lot of analysis. I'm on Twitter doing a lot of video analysis where I will take a quick clip and I'll offer my uh, in, uh, insight into what's going on and not just like highlight, but why the highlight happened. So definitely you should check out at B-Ball Breakdown over on Twitter. And we also have Instagram and Facebook and all sorts of great places to find really great NBA content. We also sneak in some NCAA content as well as the March Madness is upon us. Can't wait to find out how that's going to play out. And I thought I'd take this segment to talk a little bit about the rookie class from this year because, well, quite frankly, it is probably the best rookie class we've had since uh, 2003, which is, you know, I think the bronze class. So you can't really talk about that unless you start out with, uh, you know, the rookie of the year who, you know, I think for all intents and purposes is going to be Ben Simmons. I just did a video on him and why he's the next LeBron. And when I say that, I don't mean he's actually going to be like the same player as LeBron, but I kind of feel like he is going to have the same kind of impact going forward. He is a a big guard, kind of like in that same size as LeBron, at least height-wise. He, uh, you know, is also a lead player, a a ball-dominant player who will get guys involved and make the right pass. Uh, The only thing that's kind of different... Just from a conceptual standpoint, is his jump shot compared to LeBron, who had, uh, you know, was lights out compared to Ben Simmons his rookie year. And uh, that's not even that true. I mean, LeBron did struggle his rookie year, but then kind of got it pretty, pretty tight by the end, by, by a second year. And you could see by LeBron's mechanics that uh, he was going to have a, a good, to not, if not really good, jump shot and make a lot of threes. And he's kind of been up and down his whole career, but for the most part, uh, he's really been able to knock down the three and be a threat and make the defense have to play him. Whereas with Ben Simmons, uh, they don't really play him out there, but he's figured out a way to get going quickly and into the lane. So whatever kind of room they're giving him on the perimeter because they want him to shoot is actually backfiring to some degree. And they'll also set screens for him lower and lower. So next thing you know, they're almost in the lane setting a ball screen because the defender is so low. So the, the Sixers are figuring it out. And the, if there's one thing across uh, you know the entire NBA that you can kind of predict with almost uh, 100% is that uh, players' jump shots will improve. That is, it seems to be the one thing when you look at all the stats and what can change and what doesn't change. The jump shooting, the field goal percentage tends to go up and you see guys uh, improve. So I think over time he will figure it out, even though there is that whole issue with him shooting with the wrong hand, basically, which is crazy and we haven't ever seen that before. But uh, that's what it looks like to me, but I don't think he's going to change. But you also have Donovan Mitchell who was a combo guard over in Utah doing some serious work and uh, is definitely threatening and should, obviously should be second. And it's probably going to be a little bit close. I think it depends on how they finish. But uh, at this point, with Ben and his team doing better, um, that you know, a little bit better at least, I think, then he might get the nod. But Donovan Mitchell is fantastic. He's clutch. He can do pretty much everything he wants to do on the court. Um, so he's developing into one of those go-to guys that the Jazz are going to, are, are, I'm sure, are excited to have. Considering they lost Gordon Hayward, um, they're going to they can replace uh, just a really productive player in Hayward with Mitchell and not miss a beat. In fact, you know Mitchell's is more athletic and probably has more upside the way this is going based on his rookie year. So uh, I'm excited about that. Now, Jason Tatum is another guy who's doing some really great stuff on a good team, and he's sort of slowed down a bit recently, but uh, he is really impressive, very high skilled, uh, sort of in that, I guess, mellow mold, but he just seems better and he can 
uh, he seems like he's got a higher ceiling as well, which is amazing to say because Melo has had a great career. But Jason Tatum, I think, is going to really be great. Um, and he has the ability to post up, to shoot uh, the three, to break his mouth, to dribble. Really well polished. Rare to see a kid, especially who only played one year in college, to have that kind of polish. Uh, and one of my favorites, Kyle Kuzma, again, also kind of settled down you know, in, in the second half of the season after having a really big start. But again, a guy who uh, you know, is shown he can shoot at the three, the three ball better than he did in college and is pretty versatile in giving Luke Walden a lot of options to go small ball four with him. And if he can develop uh, more of his defensive game, then he'll be a real solid uh, addition to that team. You got Lowry Markinen, who's is probably the the best jump shot mechanics in the whole draft, um, and he looks great as well at time from times when he can stay healthy as well. So I'm looking forward to seeing him develop into a really good player in Chicago, and the list keeps going on and on. And you know what really kind of helps my you know the way I'm looking at these the footage is a really clear vision. And if you don't have clear vision and you need contact lenses, then uh, I got to talk to you about Simple Contacts, a convenient way to reorder your contact lenses that will save you money. When my wife runs out of her contacts, it's normally a nightmare to renew her prescription. And sometimes she's forced to wear her old ones for days until she finds the time to go out and pick them up. With Simple Contacts, they bring the doctor to you. You can take a vision test at home in under five minutes. Then a real doctor reviews your test and writes you a new prescription. This isn't a replacement for your periodic full eye health exam, but it's the next best thing. Simple Contacts offers you every brand of lenses and their prices are unbeatable and shipping is free. And you, right now, will also save 30 bucks off your first Simple Contacts order with using my code COACHNICK. So to save 30 bucks on your lenses, just go to simplecontacts.com slash coachnick or enter my code COACHNICK at checkout. And you'll be able to save a lot of money and see really well with Simple Contacts. Well, are there any other uh, uh, rookies you want to talk about? I certainly think Dennis Smith Jr. merits uh, you know, a lot of discussion here. He's been really, really good. Um, and uh, he has also struggled on his jump shot a bit. But again, like I said, that's the kind of thing that will improve over time with a little bit of training and a little bit more getting used to uh, getting comfortable on the NBA floor. But he's a tremendous athlete and he's shown a lot. Uh, with, with what's going on in Dallas right now, people might not be that excited about the, you know, the goings-on about town, but certainly he is a bright spot uh, in their lineup. Uh, you go down to uh, Darren Fox up with the, with the Kings. Also, uh, a bit up and down in the whole Kings organization might be uh, a little bit troubled, and the culture might need, uh, again, more uh, refining, I suppose. But uh, definitely show that he belongs in the league and um, can be a really valuable starter, uh, ultimately, on his team. So I, I like Darren Fox. I like how he competes. Really great athlete. So, uh, again, keep your eye on him uh, as he develops. Now, Lonzo Ball with the Lakers has also been up and down, and it's a lot of it has to do with his uh, with his health. He hasn't he's missed a lot of games this year, um, but he's shown in big stretches that he can really shoot the ball. Uh, again, he's cold now recently again, and I think part of it is he's in and out of the lineup and hasn't really gotten a good rhythm. But Lonzo Ball is really a guy who has probably the best vision of anybody in this class, and. A guy who can just, you know, really just facilitate an offense and create buckets. I mean, he's averaging over seven assists a game as a rookie, which is really good. And I, you know, I have to imagine he's going to ultimately figure out how to finish better at the rim, at the very least, and then continue to be more, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, consistent from three-point land. Because right now it's up and down. And again, he's got the funkiest mechanics we've seen in a long time. 
And that could very well play into him being inconsistent, which is going to be an issue um, if he can't sort of straighten it out. But I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt for a little bit while longer. See if he can't play, you know, 70 games next year and get in a good rhythm. And the Lakers will, I'd imagine, improve over the offseason with, you know, somebody they're going to sign. If it's Paul George or I don't know if LeBron's really going to go there, but maybe they'll, they'll improve on that end as well. And then it'll be a better team around him. And he'll be able to, uh, you know, keep getting more comfortable because clearly he wasn't. Uh, the speed was probably a little bit too much for him to begin with, and until he finally settled down, he started playing really well. Uh, you have Bogdan Bogdanovich over on the Kings, another really good uh, pickup for them, and he's really well seasoned uh, at any rate with uh, what's going on in Europe, how we play there. Uh, really good player, just you know, he can shoot, he can handle the ball, he's got a lot of size, so he's a guy you really want to keep your eye on. And basically, you know, in obscurity right now with the Kings, which is really too bad, but that's sort of what happens when you go there. So I have hope for him. Then you got a guy like Jordan Bell, who like lucked out. They got bought by the Golden State Warriors. That pick got bought by them, and basically uh, plug him in. He's Draymond Green 2.0, and he had a, a bit of an injury that put him out for a while. But he's back now in the lineup. I know they love him, and he's going to get some serious playoff minutes this year, which is going to be an interesting thing to see how that plays out. Because rookies, you know, uh, in the playoffs, you know, are it's sort of a hit or miss thing. But he's played for Tom Izzo. He's definitely got uh, a lot of polish to his game too, uh, and he's you know like a more athletic Draymond. Green. It's pretty crazy when you watch him play. So, uh, really great stuff. The, definitely the best uh, rookie class we've had in a long, long time. And I can't wait to see how, the, how these guys develop. There's even more. So, keep your eye out for all those guys. And stay tuned. we got a great show coming up for you. we got Jeff Diepenbrock coming up in a minute. So, no clicking, no changing. I'm Coach Nick, and this is the B-Ball Breakdown. It's the B-Ball Breakdown with Coach Nick on SB Nation Radio. Coming to you live from the O'Reilly Auto Parts studios, here's Coach Nick. Hey, sports fans. What is up? It is Coach Nick, and we are back here on the radio. And this is the B-Ball Breakdown. And I know a lot of you are probably thinking about the NCAA tournament about now, and maybe your brackets are completely busted. We're, we're going to maybe even have like the lowest seed ever as in the, in the final four, which is just crazy to see. And I know I did a video last week on Loyola's upset, and uh, I don't know if people even understand how monumental that upset was, because Loyola, you know, I grew up down the road from Loyola. They haven't been good since 1985, and they're good. So I want to bring on our next guest, our, uh, who is a friend of the breakdown, perhaps even a best friend of the breakdown, because he helps me get all of my clips, and he's been on this show already once, and that is Jeff Diepenbrock, who is the video coordinator of Georgia State's men's basketball team, a team, by the way, that got into the tournament this year with a 15th seed, and we're going to talk about how he prepares and what they do to get the video stuff ready for their team, and as a scout, and we get ready to beat those uh, teams they have to play. So, Jeff, thanks for coming on the show today. Yeah, thanks for having me. You got it. Well, let's talk a little bit about this because certainly uh, you have a, your hands were full in the first week of the tournament having to prepare. And uh, what is it like? You, you, I, I know there's a lot of differences between uh, regular season and in the tournament when you're getting all those video clips ready for the team. Yeah, it, it's kind of wild because for us especially, our conference championship game was actually on Selection Sunday. So once we... Once we had won the game, we already had kind of, I had kind of an idea of who we might play, right? You know, seating potentials. So I kind of, you know, went ahead and downloaded games, you know, started seeing, you know, there were probably about eight to 12 teams we had a potential to play. One of those was Cincinnati. We ended up playing them in the first round. And then we had, you know, three or four days to prepare. We had a day of live practice, uh, really two days. And that helped us kind of prepare for them. Um, 
So we were kind of ready to go by the time we played them. Um, but, you know, kind of what we were talking about, it, it, it's, it's a lot harder to play that, that Saturday game than the Thursday game because you have so much less time to prepare. Well, that's interesting, right, because uh, you have a lot of time. And certainly, okay, so Sundays when you found out and you had uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and the game was on Thursday, right? Um, right. So then, so what happens then? So you, so you lay out all the clips. Uh, I guess what the coaches tell you, they want to see tendencies, I suppose. How does that work? Right, right. So we're kind of a, a different case in that we play zone the entire game. So we're gonna, I'm going to go in there and find their zone offense for the whole year, right? And then – we're going to prepare for those sets in particular, right? And then, you know, defensively, they're the second best defense in the country. They switch everything one through four. Um, they're, they're great on the ball, right? So we're trying to figure out how can we exploit those switches, right? Um, and, you know, with that time to repair, we were kind of able to go in there and, you know, see how we can exploit you know their defense but you know that second game for some of these teams that's kind of why you're seeing some of these blowouts is that these teams have so much less time to repair for that second game in the round of 32 for sure for sure well you know with with your extra preparation for that first round game and listen a 15th seed versus a two seed is a tall order no matter how you slice it how did it work on the court uh with the adjustments you guys were trying to make so it's, it was hard for us to kind of duplicate what they do. They're the, the third best offensive rebounding team in the nation, right? And there's only so much we can do in our practice to try and simulate that because their two guard weighs as much as our five man. <laughs> and we just we simply don't have a guy that can, that can replicate that. And they absolutely manhandled us on the boards. Um, and with, the, with that being said, I mean, we were in the game – at the at the eight minute media of the second half, um, and granted their physicality kind of wore us down, but you know it, it's it's hard to replicate their size and physicality in practice when we're we're putting in walk ons and kind of our second string guys against our first team. Um, but you know, w- with that being said, we, we were still we were ready to go against their 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 guys, but their their physicality is something that that you just you just can't simulate in practice for sure and that's obviously you want to be able to be the most prepared you can be is when you have a, something in practice that can yeah simulate it exactly the way it's going to be and that's tough you probably needed to get like some of the football players from the team out there to do some pushing around exactly so well okay so then you know if you had to then you know picture what that's like and, and as, far, as far as preparing if you win that game and now you got you know less than 48 hours basically right to, to get on the court against another team like what would happen then i have to imagine that you would end up being up you know for 24 straight hours yeah exactly so this this scenario it took place for us in 2015 we beat baylor in the first round we were 14 seed they were the three we beat them and then we played xavier in the second round right and then our turnaround time is so quick because you're we played Thursday and then our next game was Saturday, but you're not going live at all on Friday. You're not going live, so you're not going to simulate anything live in that practice. So what why, why seeing, is that? Are you afraid of the injuries and stuff? Yeah, you, your guys are exhausted. They probably went to the cold tub the night before. You just you, you don't want to get your guys too exhausted mentally and physically before mm-hmm. the next day, right? Um, and what you're seeing, especially some trends that I've noticed in this tournament, is a team, for instance, Michigan State. So they win their first round matchup, then they go to the next round and they're at home in Detroit and they play a Syracuse team 
that hands down they're way more talented than, right? Well, Syracuse plays as a 2-3 zone. And then how, how many Big Ten teams that they saw in the past two months play 2-3 zone? Zero. Mm-hmm. It's just something they weren't prepared for, you know? And they looked – I mean, Tom Izzo is a better coach than 99% of the basketball coaches in the United States, including me. But their team looked like they had never seen a 2-3 zone before. Yeah. And by the way, that happens a lot. It drives me nuts where I keep seeing teams, even in the tournament, yeah, who don't seem to recognize the best way to attack a zone. And I guess that is part of the issue is like they're not seeing a lot of it perhaps during the regular season. But I don't know. Is that enough of an excuse for a 2-3 zone of all things? Right. And I think we experience that sometimes, and that's an advantage for us because we play a 1-1-3 matchup. And it's different than really any other, any other matchup in the United States. Um, we kind of, what, what a lot of teams end up doing is running their man stuff against us, and they've never run their man stuff against the zone like ours. And what I saw Michigan State did is they ran kind of the same stuff over and over again. But what they were doing, and it, it just befuddled me, is they have two top 10 picks. And they were putting one of them in the, the the short corner, and they had one over on the wing. Where I what I would do, and a lot of coaches do, that we see this, they put their best player in the middle of the zone and say, "All right, just we're going to catch the ball, and then just make plays for others, attack the basket, do it now." But they put actually their worst guy in their starting five in the middle of the zone and told him to be a playmaker, and it was just a lot for him to accomplish. Sure. Yeah, and by the way, that short corner uh, being empty is what I was seeing a lot the other day. I can't remember who I was watching, but it was driving me nuts because, in fact, it might have been UCLA against St. Bonaventure where right. um, you know that forward in the 2-3 zone is allowed to come up all the way to the wing with no fear of a guy sliding in behind him on the short, on the short uh, baseline area. And you right. have to have that threat there and to bump the guard over to force the guard. Then you have some options, but you know, it's the same with Syracuse zone. Syracuse loves to have that forward come up and guard the wing. And yep. if you allow them to do that, then you're in trouble. Now you're backpedaling, you can't get an attack. It was really just startling that like they, it, it, so many possessions in a row where you continually see the teams just sort of panic and not fill the right spots. It just drove me crazy. Right. And, you know, I don't know what coaches are, is going to do in a Friday practice if they're playing Saturday. Um, and so I don't know how much live stuff they're doing. But, it, you know, it just looked like there's an offense which is completely befuddled. I mean, there's no way a team that talented should be scoring in the low 50s against, you know, a, a Mich- or, I'm sorry, against a Syracuse team. And you saw the exact same thing with Rhode Island against Duke, who's playing over 50% zone this year for really the first time in Coach Gay's career, and it's working very well for him. They're in the top 10 in defensive efficiency, but Rhode Island also is, is a team that, that saw the zone and they just said, I mean, they just their offense was just completely out of whack the whole night. And that was, I think, a lot to do with that short preparation. Yeah. I mean, I do feel like a lot of the man concepts on in offense uh, could also really work well uh, against the zone. Um, and it's just, a, I guess, a question of like how you teach it, what you allow your players to sort of do day in, day out in their drills. Because, you know, in theory, there should be a lot of that action that you're trying to do. Like, you know, the freeze dribble to suck two guys in and then you kind of almost jump in the air to, to, to quickly pass or to skip passes. You know, those are the things that should just be built into your offense regardless. I know when we ran our triangle offense and I didn't run zone, we would always get stymied the first couple possessions when the team went zone but mm-hmm. I didn't I try not to panic and I try not to call time out I just let them figure it out and after a couple possessions they kind of started to get more comfortable yeah Syracuse is zone like this I mean this is why Beheim's a Hall of Fame guy is their zone is just so hard to replicate in practice 
And that's, A, because he recruits exclusively long guards and wings. His centers are almost always seven foot. And so it's just very hard to go practice that, uh, practice against that, um, that type of length and size. And his zone is just, it's push, it pushes you so much higher than you want your offense to start because of that length. And, I mean, Michigan State, they, they were settling for jump shots. They weren't getting the ball inside, even though they have literally two lottery picks over 6'8 on their team. It's, it's just hard to go against that in practice when you don't have that length and size. For sure, for sure. I, I, by the way, I just had a vision of setting a step-up screen on the wing against that, that forward, somehow looping yep. a guy along the baseline up, and then once you screen that guy off, and then it's a, it's a, should be a free pass right to the rim almost, and then the center comes over, and now you got some stuff. So I don't know if I've ever seen anyone kind of do that, but that would be a, a viable alternative too, wouldn't you say? Yeah, the uh, when we play that type of zone, which we do sometimes. For instance, when we play a team like Louisiana Lafayette three or four years ago, they had Alfred Payton, and they would just put Alfred Payton in the middle of the zone. They would have like their two guard bring it up, and Alfred was their point guard, and they say, "All right, Alfred, you're going to go in the zone, go in the middle, catch the ball, and just make plays for others." And I think that that's when you have a guard that can do that. That's the simplest way to attack a zone, but. I think I just don't see it as much as you know you you would imagine that you see it in college. For sure. Well, Jeff, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show today to break that down and giving us an insight into what it's like to be a video coordinator for a D1 team preparing for the tournament. Great stuff. Can't wait to see what's going to happen in this final four coming up. So uh, stay tuned, sports fans. Don't go anywhere. We got lots more. Co- it's the B-Ball Breakdown with Coach Nick on SB Nation Radio. Coming to you live from the O'Reilly Auto Parts studios, here's Coach Nick. What is up, sports fans? It is Coach Nick. We are back for another round of discussion about the NBA. And as always, in this time of the hour, I bring on friend of the breakdown, best friend of the breakdown, Dave Dufour at Dave Dufour NBA is where you'd find him on Twitter and everywhere else across the NBA, uh, whatever sphere. Dave, thanks for coming on the show. Best friend, I've been upgraded. I, I, I'm I'm flattered. Yeah, we got to come up with thing now. We have to have different versions of like how close people are, how deep they are in the conversation, if you will. And uh, I don't think I've had any, I haven't spoken to anybody else as much as I have you over the last two years on on this game. That's true. You know what? I'm pretty sure that you and I have spoken more than my wife and I have in the last two years. So. I don't know if that's actually good yeah, or bad. Are you doing it right? Uh, I don't know. Um, well, you know what? We should talk more then. I feel like, you know, I want to, I let's really push that over the edge and, and uh, you know, see how far we can go with it. Absolutely. Well, let's, let's get into it real quick and talk a little bit about the awards we have coming up as the end of the season is nigh. Um, you want to run it? Like, I don't even mind sure we have a, have a huge discussion about it, but certainly uh, we can run it down. So MVP, we start off the bat. I think we both agree. Yeah, James Harden had this locked up, I don't know, end of December. He he's, you know, he's overdue. He he probably should have been the MVP last year, though I would have gone with Kawhi last year if if Harden would have won. It's hard to argue against it. He's been spectacular this year. Um it, obviously we know about the scoring, but to to be able to score the way he does and to make play for others, make plays for others the way he has uh, it's pretty incredible. Um, yeah, I think this has been Harden's season. Would you agree? 
Absolutely. It's his, and he's wanted it. Um, I just kind of checked uh, Russ's stats. I'm kind of curious. You know, he won it last year, and his stats aren't even like that far off from last year, believe it or not, which is interesting. In fact, he's shooting better overall from the field, which wasn't a great year for him last year, but he's actually cratered a little bit on the three-point shooting, although he's cut down the attempts. Uh, so I find that a little bit interesting, right? Like, you know, he's kind of had almost the same year in a way. And yet, he's not even in the discussion for the MVP. You know, uh, so this this goes to the point about awards often being about narrative. I had a, uh, on my podcast this week, we actually broke down the fact that Russell Westbrook might be having one of the best seasons of his career. He's like shooting, uh, like you said, uh, third best shooting percentage of his career. Uh, I think third best scoring average of his career. I mean, he's doing all these things. He, he's likely going to average a triple double again. Uh, but people have sort of caught on to what it is. And, and, you know, the stat chasing leaves a little bit of a bad taste in people's mouths. And last year, I think that the, the media writ large really wasn't on top of it the way they are this year. And, and also Harden wasn't the overwhelming force of nature that he was. Uh, that he is this year, last year. So right. I, I think that, you know, there's a little bit of that. But, you know, you and I were kind of ahead of this last year with Russ. And and, and this is where I think the MVP got gets a little bit watered down by giving it to a guy on a team that they were the fifth seed last year. And, you know, uh, that that's that's pretty low uh, when when you consider the, the rest of NBA history. Yeah. So um, not that Russ didn't have an amazing season and not that last season wasn't very much the season of Russ. It was. But, you know, we're, we're looking like at uh, MVP uh, when A-Rod won the MVP in baseball in like 2004 when he was on the Texas Rangers because he hit 52 home runs, but they won like 40 games. Right. Um, yeah. It happens every once in a while, but, you know, uh, 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 the the Cubs did it with um, the hot with Hawk um, Andre Dawson, you know, their last place team that he right. wanted because he had one. I mean, that, I was in Chicago. I mean, I, that was one of the more amazing seasons of all time. But at least the the Thunder are now on a pace to win more games than last year, which I thought was really kind of strange. They were pretty much in the same pace with like what would clearly be an upgraded roster. So at least they're on their way to like you know winning a few more games this year. So we'll see how that plays out. But let's move on to defensive player of the year and see who your pick is uh, to do that. Well, up until, a, I mean, a few days ago, I, I was saying Embiid. I just thought what he what he brought to the table. You know, it's a top, I think they're sixth in defense. Uh, he's just been incredible. Um, and, and you could probably talk me into Anthony Davis uh, a few days ago. But I, I dug into the numbers a little bit, and I just think that Rudy Gobert's season, while truncated due to injury, has been so impactful, in particular on the defensive end. Uh, the Utah Jazz have something like a 93 defensive rating when he's on the court this year, yeah. and that is just crazy. And, and it's not just that the numbers look good and that there's a lot of minutes there. It is directly contributed to winning. You know, they went on this this run where they came from like I don't know what were they seven games out of the out of the eighth spot to now being a playoff team. And, and that was directly linked to him returning from injury. So I, I think that Rudy Gobert's impact just cannot be overlooked. And, and, you know, screw the number of games with this arbitrary number that we're all trying to assign to number of games that matter. Um, I think that he has just been very impactful to winning on the defensive end for this team. So I'm going Rudy Gobert uh, 
sink or swim. Okay. I mean, uh, Rudy Gobert, I just called up the numbers. His defensive rating on the court is 97.5, which okay, is uh, you know amazing. It's still really great. And, in fact, it, it, it goes down when he's on the bench – their defensive rating is 105.2. Uh, so it's a, that's a pretty, that's one of the bigger shifts you're going to see, I think, of any player in the league. If he doesn't, if he plays the rest of the games, he's only going to play 56 games total. Um, and that's, that is the big issue. Otherwise, you know, you think, yeah, Embiid has the kind of effect that uh, also erases a lot of mistakes that his teammates make um, around the rim. And he can also get out there and switch and, and kind of handle guards and keep them contained as well. So I don't know. I guess, you know, it, it's an interesting, interesting era we are in. You know, Russ will get an MVP being on a team that didn't really win a ton of games uh, that we're used to. Uh, perhaps Gobert is going to win this without playing a ton of games. And again, you know, what is, is 56 games enough? Like, you know, maybe it is. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I'm, I'm on cleaningtheglass.com, which is great for advanced stats. Um, Gobert is in the 96th percentile defensively um, in in net rating. So when he's on the court, his team is nine points better, as you pointed out. And that's in the 90, 96th percentile of the league. That's incredible. Um, effective field goal percentage goes down 3.6% uh, percentage points when he's on the court. Um, the offensive rebounding rate goes down about 1%, so not much, but still, I mean, he makes a, a significant impact on the team when he comes on the court, in particular on the defensive end. And Absolutely. I just think that, that it can't be overlooked. And, and you know, we can, we can literally point to the, turning, to the turning point of the Utah Jazz season as when he came back from that injury, they, they went on a run. And, and so I just think that we cannot overlook that. It, it has to matter. All right. Well, listen, we want to get through all the other ones real quickly because we have a, another segment we're going to talk about in a minute. Uh, Coach of the year, real quick. Got to be Dwayne Casey. Not One seed you. in the East. No, one seed in the East, uh, completely revamped everything with the same team. I, I, I give it to Casey. Okay, that's probably right. I think that that might work. I was thinking D'Antoni, but maybe Casey is, is the sentimental favorite there. Most improved? Victor Oladipo, hands down. Yeah. What they're doing, the biggest surprise uh, in the league is the Indiana Pacers this year, and he's the leader of that. So I'm with you there. And then rookie of the year. Got to be Ben Simmons. I mean, what he's doing is unprecedented. And, you know, I'm the biggest Donovan Mitchell fan that there is. There you are. I really am. But, uh, (laughs) you know, I think that the you've got to give a guy credit for for coming out of the gate being great and sustaining that all season. Donovan Mitchell, don't get me wrong, he's been amazing, and he continues to get better. And if you ask me to sort of rank those guys today, they're 1A and 1B. But Ben Simmons has been 1 all season long. I mean, you know, uh, Donovan Mitchell really started this this big push kind of mid-December, and he's gotten better month over month, and, and he deserves a lot of credit for that. And I think this race is going to be tighter than it ought to be. And there's no question about it. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think that's uh, right on. Even though Donovan Mitchell, again, is I'm really high on him. He's going to be great. His ceiling is very high. Uh, so let's do that. We, we have that all set up and, uh, and picked. Uh, you are listening to the B-Ball Breakdown. I am Coach Nick and Dave Dufour at Dave Dufour MBA is with us. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about which coaches are on the hot seat and why. And we could probably eliminate the coaches that are uh, interim coaches because I suspect they're just going to be gone. We have one in Phoenix and we have one in Milwaukee. Uh, who else is on the hot seat? Well, the report today is that Frank Vogel is on the hot seat. Yeah. And, um, I mean, I... I I don't know. I hate to see I hate to see a coach that we know is a good coach 
um, kind of punished for what is a flawed roster. You know, and it just seems like this is how it works in the NBA. And and so, like, when you and I talk about this, I I think it's important to preface any conversation with these coaches can only work with the players that they have. And the players, you know, the players are the players. And and if you don't have uh, good chemistry on your team and and a roster that really complements each other, um, it's hard hard to have success in this league because of, you know, there, there are a lot of really good teams. And in particular right now, like high-level teams right now are just destroying any team that, that has flaws. And, and unfortunately, the Magic are one of those teams. They have flaws. They're also really young, and it's hard to turn this around. This will now be the third coach in the last few years that's been chewed up and spit out by this uh, kind of core roster, if you can even call it that. And uh, I think it's time for the – you know, they've got a new-ish front office there, so I expect them to kind of shake things up this summer. And I think Frank Vogel – is going to be one of the one of the parts shaken loose. Yeah, well, that that would be too bad. We do know. I mean, they started to make that moves where they got rid of Alfred Payton, and so that was something that I thought was a, a sort of a good move for them. But you're right; it's a it's a weird roster. It doesn't really fit that well. It's deficient of, of talent, and uh, yeah, it's it's too bad. Uh, who else do you think besides uh, Frank Vogel in Orlando is on the hot seat? Um, I, I think Jeff Hornacek. It's probably run his course in New York. It may be time to get a new voice in that locker room. Yeah. Um, you know, they're going to have a high draft pick this year again. Uh, Porzingis <laughs> will probably be out for the first half of next season with that ACL tear. So uh, it might be might be a good time to get in some fresh blood. You know, we've heard Mark Jackson's name floated by a lot of people, as we do. Uh, and he, obviously, he's got those Knicks connections. Um, so, yeah, I think Hornacek is, is probably on his way out. Hornacek, Hornacek. Hornacek. We're, you know, unless Hornacek. you want to play hockey. I think it's, I think it's Czech. Um, it's not, but okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, and, you know, and think yeah, where he's think come. You know, he's, he's come a pretty far away where he had to deal with the triangle to begin with and that whole rigmarole. Great. And then that went away. And, yeah, I don't know. I, I guess it's interesting to figure out whether or not, like, that one year in Phoenix was an anomaly or what and how that reflects on his coaching or not. But it's interesting. It's definitely very strange. Yeah, and, and you know, I, I give the guy the benefit of the doubt because, I mean, this is basically, if you look at it, you know, minus Phil Jackson, this is kind of year one for him where he's actually doing the stuff that he wants to do. And they were better until their best player went out. And not that they were a playoff team, but this is not a playoff roster. Right. And they were actually performing a lot better until Porzingis got hurt. So, I mean, I'd love to see the guy not get, get canned, A, we don't want to see anybody get fired. We want to see all these coaches succeed and do a good job. But, but especially a guy that's kind of had a, a rough go of it. Um, so I, I think that uh, you know it's it's not a great it's not a great situation for him. Maybe it's better to just go ahead and part ways. But I don't think this will be his last coaching job. I, I, you know that year in Phoenix showed me that this guy can he can succeed in this league. So I think he'll get another shot. This is not the last we're hearing of Jeff Hornacek. Second. Fair enough. <laughs> or, or sec, yes. Okay. Um, I think that kind of covers it. I mean, maybe Mike Malone and the Denver Nuggets ultimately don't make the playoffs. Like it looks like they're not going to do. Yeah. I mean, I, we've heard a lot coming out of Denver. Um, how much of that we can actually believe, I don't know. Well, we shall wait and find out and see what happens at the end of the year. But thank you so much for coming on the show, Dave. Another great segment. Don't go anywhere, sports fans. I'll be back to wrap up the show after these messages from our sponsor, I'm Coach Nick, and this is the B-Ball Breakdown. It's the B-Ball Breakdown with Coach Nick on SB Nation Radio. Coming to you live from the O'Reilly Auto Parts studios, here's Coach Nick. 
So there you have it, sports fans. Thank you for joining me on this incredible journey tonight we had through the NBA and through the NCAA and how we prepare for video with Jeff Diepenbrock and, you know, who is on the hot seat and which coaches are going to be in trouble and, and who are going to, which teams are going to hopefully going to improve with a new coach. Uh, really crazy stuff. And looking forward, I mean, listen, the season is almost over. It really is crazy how fast that went. I can't even believe that here we are. It really does seem like uh, last week where we were you know, in the middle of October starting the season. I don't know how that happened or where it went, but here we are. The playoffs are upon us, which is usually the busiest time for me. Cannot wait to start breaking down games. And if you are new to the B-Ball Breakdown conversation, uh, you know what I, what I made my living on in the beginning was game breakdowns. And so certainly with the playoffs coming, we get back to our bread and butter, the old school, what happened in the game, what runs changed, what are they running on offense, where it broke down on defense, uh, any kind of strategy at the end that either worked or didn't work. That's what we're going to show you guys uh, on a daily basis and maybe multi-daily basis, if that's, if that's even a word. So that'll be really exciting to strap my hat on and get into the playoffs and start breaking down that stuff. And you know what? We don't even know what the who's going to play who. I don't think we've ever had such a crazy uh, compounding of, of teams all within a game or two of each other from both conferences. So we now have, you know, basically third to eighth uh, across both sides uh, are so tightly packed that it might go down to the last day of the season, which is always exciting. It makes these games good because, you know, there aren't that many even great games left on the schedule that you'd want to watch normally. But the way this is playing out, it's going to be exciting. And these guys, uh, these, 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 every game is going to be down to the wire here, and they're going to be playing them uh, and not giving them away. And that's going to give that playoff atmosphere a week early, maybe you know even earlier than that. So I'm looking really forward to seeing how that plays out because now you got to keep your eye on which teams at the top want to play whom, and are they going to maybe lose a game to kind of just change their setting and which their seed is. So that uh, is definitely a thing you got to keep your eye out for as well. So can't wait to do that. Stay tuned for a lot of stuff going over on our YouTube channel. Again, we're going to have a lot of great stuff happening there. The podcast, uh, the Twitter is also a great place. You can always hit me up there and I'll answer whatever questions that come across uh, my timeline. So, uh, again, thanks for joining us. Great guests we had earlier today. Cannot wait for next week. Tune in again to Coach Nick. That's who I am. And this is the B-Ball Breakdown, and it's every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. You win.